Taylor never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. I am so, so excited to be back. I honestly feel like I was a little bit intimidated to come back here. And I'm not sure exactly why that is, but I am just very thankful for all of you who sent me messages and let me know how much you were missing the podcast because it meant a lot to me and you got me back. So you pulled me forward and helped me to get over the intimidation. So yeah, I still get nervous. Years and years later, I still get nervous about this, but I promise you all a series on money and Christianity. And I am going to deliver. I'm really, really excited about this. This is something that has been pretty heavy on my heart for a while that I wanted to talk about. And today it is just me, but I am going to bring Jesse on a few episodes, which have been amazing. My father-in-law is on an episode about investing and finances. And he is somebody that we've always looked up to in regards to his financial wisdom and the way that he stewards his money well. And so we are just really, really excited to have the opportunity to speak on a topic that we feel is becoming much more prevalent in our world. Whereas I think in the past generations, money is something that just wasn't ever discussed or talked about and salary transparency did not exist and pay equality did not exist. And so I do feel like our world is taking positive steps forward. And so I just feel responsible for all of you in just making sure that what we know and believe to be true about money is biblically founded. And so I want to take a biblical look at it and how we should steward it. There are just so many misconceptions about this topic. And honestly, it is a topic that I feel can cause a lot of disconnection and struggle in a relationship and in a marriage. And if you are not already married, one of the best pieces of advice I could ever give you is to do financial planning with your spouse to ensure that you're on the same page financially. It is not something that cannot be redeemed and reconciled once you've been married if there are issues, but it is something that you do have the power and the opportunity to avoid if you are not yet married. So the Bible talks about money in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, God instructed His people on proper ways of using their resources. And we see that in Deuteronomy 8.18. And He also promised them prosperity if faithfully obeyed Him in Jeremiah 29.11. 
And so Jesus himself emphasized the importance of being faithful with what you have because God will make sure that there's enough to provide for your needs, Matthew 25, 14. So do you believe that, you guys? Do you believe that God will provide for your needs? I think that this is one of the biggest areas that we tend to struggle as Christians and as human beings in general is trusting God for provision because there are just many, many ways that we can try to control our own financial outcomes. And let me be the first to say that this is a huge struggle in my life. The need to feel constantly secure with the money that is coming in, the need to have a certain large amount in my savings that is never, ever touched just for security's sake, the need to pile up resources and passive income streams and investment properties and stocks and all of that in order to feel like I am taken care of is a huge struggle. And so while my experience in all of these things might be beneficial in teaching you, because it is something that we're passionate about. It's something that we want to be knowledgeable in. It is something that we want to build for the sake of generosity and the sake of really just enjoying our family and our lives by having financial freedom. There is also some bondage in my own life of feeling like I constantly need to feel financially secure. And so that's just me being honest and vulnerable with you and letting you know that as I teach you these things and come alongside you, as in everything I talk about on this podcast, that I am doing so knowing that I am just as much of a sinner, just as broken, just as easily tempted by the things of this world. But the difference is, and what I challenge all of you to, is that we don't stay there. We don't rest in that. Instead, we choose to grow. We choose to move forward. We choose to repent. We choose to let go of the things that have bondage over our lives. And one of those things might be money for you. So for those of you who have been with me since the beginning, Sparrows and Lily is still my blog name, but this was the name that I launched everything that I'm doing with. So Sparrows and Lily was the foundation of everything before it became Living Easy. And in that season, I was in gosh, I was in such a season of drought and of need and feeling as if I just didn't know what direction God was taking me in. It was like a waiting season, but also a season of great discontentment. But in that, God showed me how faithful He was to provide for me, for my spiritual needs, my financial needs, my physical needs, my emotional needs, and he promises the same for you. He promises to care for the sparrows and the lilies. And if he cares for the birds of the air and the lilies in the fields, how much more will he care for us as his children whom he loves? So one of my favorite verses that reminds me of God's goodness and provision is in Luke eleven ten through 14. It says, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So what this is saying is, God, when we ask him for something, right, we are pleading for this new job or this new career or just like a little bit more increased income to take care of our needs. 
And we often feel like, oh, God isn't going to give that to me or even feel guilty for asking God to provide. And while he is not a genie or Santa Claus, and while he had no money when he lived on this earth, he still cares for us and promises to provide for our lives. And just as we would not give our child a rock if they asked for an egg, God, who is far greater than us, He is not broken in any capacity. He is only good. God is only good. His character only has good. And I want to challenge you before we even begin to believe that. Like, do you really believe that God desires good for your life? Do you really believe that God promises to provide for your every need? So in the New Testament, Paul writes about money often and how we should handle our resources. And in 1 Timothy, he says that those who are determined to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. So that's 1 Timothy 16 through 17. And this means that those who seek riches will find themselves in situations where they're tempted to use their money. So money is one of the most powerful temptations that we face as Christians. And let me tell you that the enemy is on my heels, you guys, because I am in the process right now of creating two courses and they're launching at the about the same time that this is launching. And so one is my online course creation academy, becoming a six-figure business owner in 30 days. And the second one, which is the social media marketing academy, the ultimate guide to becoming a profitable and confident creator. That is like a tongue twister. But both of these courses are financially focused, right? And that is not typically my realm. Most of you know that Jesse is officially retired, quote unquote, and working with me and also as a stay-at-home dad, that's actually his primary focus now, that we were able to buy a home in Franklin and keep our rental homes, that we have been able to kind of live in the way that we feel excited about, that we have always dreamt about and living life alongside our kids and not working very often. And all of those things have come from creating a course and doing social media marketing. And so while I know that that is financially focused and while part of me feels even guilty for focusing on that, there's also the huge part of me that feels like I'm following God's calling and teaching others how to do these things that they may not know how to do and to be able to be financially free and to be able to talk about things that they love or working from home or from their beds or with their kids around in a way that isn't so time constricting and that doesn't have a cap on how much money you can make. And I've seen that in course creation and social media marketing. And so I want to share that with others. But as I do these things, I have to also be very much aware that money cannot drive decisions. Money cannot lead us as Christians. Money cannot be the ultimate force and the ultimate temptation that draws us toward good. There should be another draw, and that is honoring God with our lives. And so what helps to humble me, what helps to bring me back is my generosity. And I believe so strongly in generosity, and we will get to that. But I just want to say again, I'm in this with you guys. It is so easy to become consumed with wanting more and more and more, especially when our culture tells us that having a lot of money is the key to happiness, right? And does it make things easier? Yes, it can. It can, but it can also make things much more challenging. It can cause tension in relationships where there's more money, there's more problems, right? <laughs> more money, more problems. So we have to keep that in mind that yes, while it can make things easier and while hard work is worth it, it can also cause more strain. And Jesus said it himself. He said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew nineteen twenty four. 
And also in Mark 14, Jesus was being criticized for not wearing expensive clothing. But he replied by saying, the poor you will always have with you, but I you will not always have. Mark 14, 31 through 32. So this is saying that wealth is a temptation because we can become so consumed with chasing after that money rather than focusing our attention on the one who truly matters. We should prioritize what matters in life, our families, our ministries, our home, Jesus, and then how we use the resources that He has given us to honor those things and to glorify God and not to glorify ourselves. Because how easy is it to feel as if once you have done well in your life with success or with business or whatever it may be, it's just really easy to want to tell people about it, isn't it? Like, man, I've worked so hard. I have done all these things that are so phenomenal and come and see what I've done. And while there's an aspect to that in marketing and wanting people to see what you've done so that they feel inspired, there's also the humility that comes with it where we say, but Jesus had nothing and he was content. And so as Christians who follow Christ's teachings, there's these ways that we can steward our money wisely without sacrificing joy or neglecting the important areas of our lives like marriage and family. And so I want to share some practical tips for how to spend and save your money responsibly. Number one, and this is one of my favorite ones, is to give generously. We are called as Christians, not only to be charitable ourselves, but also to give others the chance to experience God's generosity. And that's in Proverbs 19, 17. So when we give our wealth away through tithing or donating, it goes towards helping others who otherwise wouldn't have access to those resources. Now, let me say, I know, and we're going to get into tithing. We'll have a full episode on tithing, which I'm really excited about. But I know that there is some hesitation sometimes to give to a church when you see that they have so much money, right? When you see that they are spending their money on extravagant events or on the pastor's clothes, you know, I actually recently saw the craziest video where a pastor was being gifted like a $150,000 car in front of his congregation and it made me want to throw up. It's just so appalling. But with that said, not that a pastor shouldn't be appreciated and praised, but it was a very money hungry type of church and situation that just it's prosperity gospel, right? That God wants you to be rich and wealthy and healthy. So what happens then when, and I talk about this a lot in the Proverbs 31 woman course on my website, but what happens when life isn't a party? Does God not love us anymore? Does God not have favor on us? Absolutely not. God has favor on you no matter what situation or season of life you're in, no matter how poor or wealthy you are. God loves you but it is not all about health and wealth. And if it were, then Jesus would have lived that extravagant lifestyle, right? And so while it can be really conflicting in regards to the church and giving your money to the church, you have to remember that you are only responsible for what you do with your money. You are not responsible for what the church does with their money. You're giving from a generous heart and God will bless that. You give to those who seem as if they need help. You give to your church in order to be faithful to that call to support your church and your community. But what those people do with that money is their responsibility. 
And so when we begin helping others who otherwise wouldn't have access to resources, we are able to show them God's love through us. And a great example of this is when Paul told Timothy that he should bring some people with him whom they could help financially after his trip was over. And so this allows the visitors, who are most likely ministers, since Paul had sent them on a mission trip, when, and that obviously requires funding and transportation costs, lodging, etc., it allowed them to continue doing the ministry work without worrying. So he is providing funds to these people, which you never know what people are going to do with money. You are only responsible to respond to the call that God has given you to give generously. This for us has looked so many different ways. This has looked like handing money over in an envelope to people that we hardly know because we feel like God is calling us. This has been giving money to very, very close friends in dire situations and watching them spend it unwisely. And we've had to step back and say, this is not our responsibility. It is not our responsibility what they do with this. We were called to gift and that is enough. While there is discernment and wisdom that we have had to learn along the way in giving, there is nothing bad or sinful about a generous and overly generous heart. Discernment matters, yes, but generosity is an honor to the Lord, and it will always, always come back to give you joy and to give you a feeling, a sense of purpose in regards to having your money. Number two is to avoid debt and to be intentional about paying it off if you do have debt. So one of the best ways to steward your money wisely is to avoid getting into debt in the first place. But let me say, I've been called out a few times on being too harsh on people with debt. So please forgive me because I have been tremendously blessed in having help and from friends and family members who have given us financial advice. And I know that there are so many people out there who do not have that. And we are not fully out of debt. We still have a mortgage. We still have mortgages on our rental homes, but we are very intentional with fighting against the temptation to get sucked into any sort of credit card debt or car debt or anything like that because debt can so quickly spiral out of control. And before you even know it, you're paying off bills for things that you do not even remember buying. And that is a scary thought for me. And I think for anybody, we don't want to be paying for things that we don't even have anymore or cherish anymore, but it is also a reality for many people. So while there are many ways that you can begin to fight against debt, to start snowballing your savings, to start putting $100 here, $100 there, to get rid of debt and to be intentional about doing so, which we will talk about throughout the entirety of this series, one of the most important things that you can start right now, even if you're not paying everything down, is to save up cash for anything that you want. And this is a lesson my mom taught me. Oh my gosh, I was probably like 12 And I remember her using her card and I asked her if that was her credit card. And she said, yes, it's my credit card, but I only use my credit card if I have the money in my bank account to buy it. And at that time, obviously that didn't mean much to me, but it always resonated with me. And that is something that I've carried with me. If I could not pay off cash, and for us, that means a car, that means any investment. If we cannot, aside from a mortgage, that that's we don't stand by that with mortgage. That's our personal preference. But for some, they do. But if we cannot pay cash for, say, a car, if we cannot pay cash for a new TV, if we cannot pay cash for a new refrigerator, which we have to buy, unfortunately, (laughs) we're bummed out. We don't want to buy a fridge. We'd rather spend that on fun stuff. But if we don't have that money in our account, we are not going to purchase it. We are not going to put it on a credit card. And then at the end of every month, we use credit cards. And I know some people are against credit cards. We think that 
personally, our personal opinion, is that credit cards are amazing because you get money back for spending money. The amount of money that we've spent renovating this home, we were able to put on our credit card and we got so many airline miles and points because of spending that money on the card. Whereas if we had spent a debit card or cash, there would be nothing in return. But I've been able to purchase flights for friends to come out and visit us and family members to come visit us by using the points that were given to us through our Southwest credit card. And I really love the Southwest card. Shameless plug. I'm not part of Southwest (laughs) in any capacity, but I really love the Southwest card. But those points now we're able to spend and it was money we were going to spend anyway. So we really like credit cards, but our rule of thumb is that we pay the credit card off at the end of the month, no matter what. It fully is covered so that we are not paying any interest fees on those cards because they're so expensive, you guys. And I know that this is not reality for everyone. Some people have racked up credit cards in a way that they are not able to pay them off at the end of the month. And my encouragement to you would be to get rid of that credit card debt rather than kind of hoarding all of that money into your savings so that you are no longer bound and in bondage by that debt and able to live more freely and rebuild those accounts that you have. Next is to plan ahead. So when it comes to spending, you want to think about what you need versus what you want. Here's my rule of thumb that I swear by. I will wait a month if I want something really badly. And if this is obviously not something on Amazon where I'm like, hey, I really need a bookmark or something. But if I really want to buy something that is usually over $100 to $150, I will wait a month in order to make sure that that is the exact thing that I want. And Jesse and I have learned this the hard way, truly, because we have made so many purchases that were impulsive that we regretted making. And then we ended up losing money because we just tried to sell that light fixture on Facebook Marketplace, or it just like sat in the garage for six months. And those are the things that we are just choosing to learn from. We're 32 now. (laughs) We're like, we've got to be adults and make better decisions. We've got to learn from the mistakes that we've made. And that means changing the way that we do things. And so for us, that has been waiting longer periods of time, 30 to 60 days on those big purchases. And for big, big purchases, we will usually wait 60 to 90 days before we even like begin searching for that new car or whatever it may be. I have a few things in my head (laughs) that I want, but I'm like, I'm not putting that out there because I'm not ready. So next would be number four, to invest in your future. One of the smartest things that you can do with your money is to invest it in something that will grow over time. It's really tempting for me, as I mentioned, to have money saved up in my bank account. I like to just see that money there, but it's not doing anything. Your money does not move or do anything at all when it's just sitting in your savings account. And so if you have a 401k where your employer matches your amounts that you're donating to your 401k, go to the highest amount that you possibly can. Invest the highest amount because that is free money. Your employer is investing money back in to match what you're donating. So make sure you're taking advantage of things like that. You can do a mutual fund or you can do a Roth IRA. We have a Roth IRA for both Sutton and Saxon. My dad actually started this for them when they were very little, when they were first born, which was a huge blessing and the best type of 
birthday Christmas gift you could ever ask for. And $100 a month is put into both of those accounts. And Jesse and I are also contributing separately to stock accounts for the boys. So the Roth IRA is taken care of by my dad. And then we put $100 per month into stocks for the boys and just kind of manage them for them. And this is something Jesse has learned just to encourage you if stocks intimidate you. Jesse has 100% learned to manage stocks through YouTube. (laughs) He has 100% learned online. And this is where online courses come in because it's just so much good information in one place that it's completely worth it to purchase. And as he has grown and learned, that has now become almost a full-time job for him is navigating stocks. And it's a very profitable career. It's a very profitable way of bringing in some income. So if stocks intimidate you, I just encourage you to check out, you know, just regular YouTube videos or podcasts about it and just kind of put your feet in. You can put a few dollars here and there, but at least your money is growing with all of these, the 401ks, the Roth IRA, the stocks, your money is going to be doing something rather than just sitting there. Number five, give yourself a break. It is okay to enjoy things that your money buys. It is okay to enjoy them, to like them, to find pleasure in them. It is not okay to idolize them, but idolatry is not the same as enjoyment. And I think that we often get really caught up in this idea that you can't be a Christian and have money. You can't have nice things and be a Christian, but we don't see throughout scripture that God condemned anyone who had money or worked for profit. We see the Proverbs 31 woman working for her family, providing for her family, working in the market and trading and doing all of these amazing things. And we also see men like Abraham. Abraham was very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold. You see that in Genesis 13. And he believed the Lord. He credited it to him as righteousness. And God calls Abraham to go and be a blessing to all peoples on earth, and they will be blessed through you. And we see Solomon. Solomon was extremely wealthy, and God used that for good, for a good teaching throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And so I think that there is so much that we often believe and and misconstrue. And one thing I will say is that, yes, idolatry of money is a sin. But to enjoy the riches that God has blessed you with, that He has provided your family with, to use them for His glory, but also to be thankful for them is not a bad thing. Number six, remember that wealth does not equal happiness. It is so easy to believe this, even though you may not say that out loud, right? Like, as I say that, you're like, well, yeah, duh, Lindsay, of course not. But do you believe that? Like when you lay down at night and think about, gosh, if only I could do this, or if only I could do that, I would then be happy. I think there is a place of saying, okay, Lord, what are you calling me to? What are my passions, my gifts, the things that light me up? Those are the things I want to do and share about and create as a business. And that is a freedom that you have as a woman, as a man, you have the freedom to be a mama and a businesswoman, to be a dad and a businessman. Like those are freedoms that we have in this life. But It does not mean that that will get you to happiness because again, more money, more problems. You're just going to find more things that you want. So while we want to strive for good and while we want to strive to do well with the gifts God has given us and to provide for our home and to not feel guilty about that, we must remember that money does not buy our happiness. And we have to get to a place where we repent when we find ourselves believing that lie. Because all of the material possessions in the world will not bring lasting joy. 
That comes from our relationship with God, ultimately. That is the only thing that will bring true contentment because when the next bill comes, right? Or when you don't do as well on that sale as you thought that you would, or when you lose that deal, or when you don't make as much money as you thought you would make that month, or or when you lose that job, all of a sudden everything comes crashing down around you because your foundation is in money and not in the Lord. So when Jesus is at the foundation, when you say, God, I trust you, I trust you to provide, I trust you to help me steward my money wisely and change my heart and forgive me if I'm not doing so. Repent of those things and follow in obedience if you're being challenged by that. But also coming to a place and just saying, I want my heart to be set on you and not on finances. Because what is the truth? That all of our money is going to fade away. And wealth and status can honestly have a really negative effect on our mental health and on our relationships because that becomes an all-consuming focus in our lives. So I just want to challenge you guys to be really mindful of how you're using your resources and don't let that money be placed in the position where God belongs. And then number seven is that all of your money is going to fade away. This is something, honestly, I remind myself of every single day. Lindsay, all of these things that you're putting on a pedestal, all of these things that you're even excited about, all of these things that you are working so hard for, they're going to disappear. And it's just a really good perspective shift for me every single morning because I can get so consumed with my work and I love it. I really love what I do. And so that's why I'm like, it's just, it's really fun for me. But that reminder that it fades is a reminder to me to go step back and to go to my husband and to go to my children and sit on the floor and put my phone away and to remember that this hustle will not get us anywhere. I mean, it really won't. It may for a few years. It may even while we're here on earth, but all of our treasures on this earth will disappear. They are going to rust and they are going to perish. And Matthew 6, 19 says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you'll probably hear me ask this question a lot during this series, but I want to ask you, where is your heart? The way that you can find out where your heart is, is where the majority of your money is going. And if you have no idea where your money is going, I challenge you to go back through the last three bank statements that you have and to highlight kind of all of the areas, maybe in different color highlighters, to determine where that money is going. Where is the majority? It could be food. It could be gluttony, right? It could be eating out, which isn't necessarily a bad thing for bonding and and relationship, but is that wasteful? Could that money go towards something else that is more wise or generous? Is it clothes and fashion or home decor or beauty products? Like what is your money being spent on? That is a really good way for you to determine where the focus of your heart is. And in order for us to build up our riches and our treasures in heaven, we seek the kingdom of God first. We put Jesus above all things. We surrender our lives, our hearts, our money to Him. We are rich toward Him in every area of life. And the best way, one of the best ways we truly can do this is through tithing, to give our first fruits to God and not our leftovers. Like the top of that paycheck, the first thing that you write is your tithe check or Venmo or our online deposit, whatever is easiest for you, but to have it just automatically sent into your church or to write it down immediately when you get that check is a good way to sit and remember, okay, this money is not mine. This money is fully 
the Lord's. He knows all that we need so that we can seek the kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that everything that we need will be added to us. In Luke 12, 15, it says, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And so I just want to encourage you guys, when it comes to money, dig deeper into God's word to determine what he says about stewarding money wisely. Be thinking about these tips, this advice in just being wise, being discerning with the things that you spend, the way that you spend it, knowing that God does not want you bound by debt, that God does not want you bound by a love of possessions, but that your heart is intended to worship Him above all else. And ultimately that all of this is going to fade away. So I am just so happy to be back. Thank you all so much for this time, just allowing me to breathe a little and step back and to feel completely refreshed coming back to the podcast because I just love it so much. And I am very excited for next week's episode, working together as a couple to achieve financial goals, even when you don't see eye to eye. Oh, it's a good one. (laughs) I love you guys. If you haven't already, please take a second to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. This is a huge, huge blessing to me. It might feel really small to you, but it should only take 30 seconds. You can just go and give a quick star rating and review. Also, if you're not following me already on Instagram at Living Easy with Lindsay, please feel free to do so. I share a lot of things like this almost daily and just love having this community of people who are just so honest and vulnerable and real. And it just really blesses my heart. So I love you guys and I'll see you next week. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.